In your church in title time, you can go ahead and head on out. Uh, while they're heading out, I was just asked by John McDermott to make sure that everybody knows that's going to sight and sound that the meeting that you guys are supposed to have this afternoon, that according to the bulletin, is actually going to be next week. So if you're going to sight and sound, um, meet with John next week after service. Okay. So we find ourselves uh, in a place now where we are talking about missions for two weeks in April, and then we'll do it again in the fall. Uh, and... Uh, in full transparency here, I was gone uh, the last two days for my uh, father-in-law's birthday celebration, as, long as, as well as mine, and uh, we got home at 9.30 last night and uh, found out that John indeed had taken ill. Uh, so, uh, that's a disclaimer. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so, 9.30 last night, I sat down and started working on a mission sermon because, of course, uh, out of all the ones I've done in the past, there's not really been one that's revolved around missions necessarily. So, with all that being said, if you remember the last time I preached, um, I spoke quite a bit about how God was teaching me to rely on Him. Well, uh, when you start to learn something, um, it seems like God makes you learn it again and again in even bigger ways. So, um, I would say that I can't be held accountable or responsible for anything I say, although I know that's not true, but I'm looking forward, actually, to see what God is going to say to us today as we talk about missions. And uh, it's a great privilege any time I have to be up here to be able to speak uh, in this way. I just, I count it as a, as a true gift from God, and I pray that today as we, look at, uh, as we look at God's word, that once again you will listen to what he has to say, not what I have to say, and, and we will... Uh, go on a journey together in which we understand a little bit more about what missions is all about, and particularly today, what our role in missions should be. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about our role in missions work. How you and I, who sit in these chairs week by week, you and I who uh, live here and, and have lives here in, in the United States, or just you know lives that are normal, quote-unquote, we go to work, we have families, we just live, how is it that we can actually be part of missions work. Because a lot of times I'm afraid that when we come into missions conferences and we talk about missionaries, it's very tempting for us to kind of, this is the group of missionaries. Sometimes we throw pastors in there too. Okay, these, these are those people and then this is me. Okay, well the truth of the matter is, is we're all to be working together as the body of Christ. That missions work is not just done by those who are called to go out and go away. And it's not just by those that we're supporting at our church. But each and every one of us sitting here has a part to play in the missions process. In reaching the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us has a role to play. And uh, this morning we'll dive into that a little bit as we look through scripture. So, uh, to start off with... Uh, I did play a lot of sports as a kid, so a lot of times when I try to think of an illustration, uh, it comes back to sports. But uh, I remember there's a few instances in my life where I had a coach that I really didn't care for. And maybe if you've ever been in sports, you know what I mean. Um, it's the type of coach that tells you what you need to do, uh, may even give you resources that you need to do it. But when, it comes, when push comes to shove, um, he kind of leaves you on your own. It's like, all right, I've told you what I'm going to tell you. Now you go do your thing. If you do really well... I get all the credit. But if you don't do well at all, then it's your fault, okay? And I've had a few coaches like that. Uh, and uh, coaches that tell you all the right things, but they don't really, uh, they have no stake in it. They're not participating, you know. Uh, they can say all the right things, but yet in the end, 
The players are the one that go that go out onto the field and actually play whatever sport we're talking about. It could be uh, soccer, baseball, football. It doesn't matter. You pick. Uh, the coach sends the team out into the field to do the work uh, of winning. Um, now, interesting thing. I came to college, and uh, and many of you, some of you know this, and many of you will be very surprised. But I actually was a collegiate athlete for one year, you know, and uh, uh, I played men's volleyball, uh, well, I'll specify that, I sat the bench in men's volleyball for a year, um, and, uh, but the, the greatest thing that I learned from that one experience that I had when we played that season uh, was we had uh, a guy on our team, because we were Davis College, a little small, tiny college, didn't have much resources, there was a guy on our team that was also our coach. So he, he doubled. Uh, he was a little older than us, but he'd played volleyball a long time. He was uh, very good, short and, and bald, but very good. Um, and uh, But the great thing about him, and I, have never, I had not experienced this until college, was that he was what we would call a player coach. So he was coaching us, he was running us through drills, and he was telling us all the things that we needed to know to be a better team and to win. But it didn't stop there for him. See, uh, he also was our setter. He was the one that everything kind of revolved around on the floor. So that, that meant that when we played games, he was there. He was playing with us. He was setting us up for. Uh, he was setting us up so that we could do well. And also um, during practices, he would run all the drills with us. He wasn't the type of coach that would sit on a chair uh, eating bonbons while everybody else ran laps. He was actually there with us. He was doing the drills. He was running the laps. Um, he was in the scrimmages, and then once again, he was playing alongside of us in the game. And I'll tell you what, that made a huge difference in how I viewed coaching, how I viewed helping others, because just the way that he was able to dive in and be a part of our team as a player coach, not just a coach that was looking and, and saying, you do it and I'll take the credit, but a coach that was saying, let's do this together. And it was, a, it was just a phenomenal thing to be able to have that for that year I played volleyball. And uh, as we think about the illustration, I want to kind of apply that to missions work. You see, it's very tempting for us uh, to think that somehow we can give them the resources they need, but then we're going to send them out to do the work, right? They're, we'll give, the, we'll give uh, the missionaries all the stuff they need so that they can go out and they can win people to Christ. Well, some of that does happen. I'm not saying it's not going to. And when we talk about what we talk about today is going to talk about how we can support those missionaries that are going out into the world. But my concern is that we are being like the coach that sits on the sidelines that lets somebody else do all the work, that sometimes we forget that we are not called to be a coach and sit behind, but we're called to be really a player coach in a sense, that we can't help with resources, but we should also be in the game with them. We should be playing alongside. We should be doing missions work even as they are. And maybe it's in a different place and in a different way. And today, as we look at three different ways that we can participate in in missions... Three different ways that we can participate in missions. And these are not going to be, uh, you know, knock the door down, this is the greatest thing you've ever heard, you've never heard anything like it before. These are things that all of us, I'm sure, have heard. Maybe many of you have read these verses and been told these verses, uh, missions months or not missions months. These are a lot of common verses we may use. But I want to just make sure that we understand that these things that we're told to do, it's not just another thing to do, but God really wants us to do them. It's not just an optional thing. And then we look at these three things, they're going to be these three. It's going to be that we need to pray for missionaries, and we need to pray for missions work, and how important that is. And the second thing we're going to look at is we have to give to missions work, and that's how we can be a part of it as well. So we must pray, we must give. But I mean, as we get to the end of this, I'm going to say the third way, and I think really it all comes together with this third thing, is that not only do we 
pray for missionaries and give to missionaries, but we also live as missionaries. And as we look at those three things, I'm hoping that today we can walk out with a better understanding of what it means to be a part of what God is doing in the world around us through missions. Um, So, uh, we're going to be going to several different passages today, so I encourage you to try to stay, uh, keep up, uh, and uh, we're going to look at some different passages as we talk about these three things. But we're going to start with uh, the fact that we need to be praying for our missionaries, and I would like, if, if you could, turn to Ephesians. Uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 20. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, and in this passage we're going to see Paul, and he's going to be talking about this idea of praying for missionaries. Remember, Paul was really, you could call him the very first missionary in a sense. Uh, He was called uh, from a church to go out to the world to share the gospel. Paul was, if not, if you wouldn't call him the first missionary, you'd at least call him the greatest missionary in the sense that he, at the time, really touched the whole known world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was a missionary, and this is what he asked for in Ephesians chapter 6. Once again, verses 18 through 20. It says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, and this is directly following the verses about the uh, armor of God. But it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, uh, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We are called to pray for our missionaries. We are called to pray for all the saints. That's what we're told here in this passage, that we need to be praying for missionaries. But I want to, you know, sometimes we say pray for missionaries, right? Right? We've got a prayer board back there, and just like Ed said, I would encourage you, go back, fill out a card, put it on one of the missionary pegs. We need to be praying for our missionaries. But I'm afraid a lot of times we say pray, and it's kind of this vague term, right? It's like, yeah, pray for them. Okay, well, how do I pray for them? What do I pray for them for? And a lot of times we end up resorting to, okay, I'm going to get the prayer list each week, and I'm going to see their specific needs, and I'm going to pray for their specific needs. Now, I'm not saying this morning that's a bad thing to do. Uh, That's a great way to be able to pray for people. However, I think in this passage and the next passage we're going to see, we see there's even a greater thing that missionaries need to be prayed for, that we need to be praying for our missionaries as they go out. And first of all, we see it here in this passage with Paul. And what does he ask for? He says, uh, please pray that words will be given to me in opening my mouth and that I may speak them boldly. When we pray for our missionaries, it's not just about praying their laundry list of needs. Like I said, that's not a bad thing. But the primary thing that I think all of our missionaries could use as we pray for them is that we will pray that God will give them words that they can speak and God will allow them to be bold in speaking those words. See, any missionary on our board, it doesn't matter which one, whether they're, uh, whether they live real close or whether they're all the way across the world. I would say that every single one of them, if you ask them if they could use prayer for clarity of the message and as well as boldness in giving the message, I would all but guarantee most, if not all of them, would say, yes, please pray for that. Because, once again, remember, they are not, missionaries are not on this separate plane where everything is so good with them that they have everything figured out and they're the most spiritual beings on the face of the planet and therefore they never have any issues. No, Paul himself, and let's remember, he's known as the greatest missionary ever that has, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. This guy, Paul himself, says, 
Pray for me that God will give me words to say. Pray for me that I can speak them boldly. If anybody ever had any reason not to ask for those things, it would be Paul himself. We see him talking to so many different audiences from kings to to uh, conservative religious people to people who are uh, receptive to his message. He talked to everybody. And, and the thing is, if we were to say, who is the boldest person, I, I would almost say Paul would be one of those bold people. He was willing to suffer for speaking the truth of Christ. But he asks, he says, please pray that I will be given the words to speak and I will speak them boldly. So we need to be praying for our missionaries today as we talk, talk about missions, that they will be given a message. And what is that message? Well, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? It's the gospel. It's the fact that Jesus came as a man, lived a perfect life, died as punishment for the sin that we've committed so that we don't have to spend eternity in hell that then he died on that cross but rose again to prove that he has power over sin and death. And if we come to him in repentance and faith, that we can follow him and be saved. That is the gospel. And this is what we should be praying for our missionaries to be able to communicate. It's not just about their needs, although I'm sure they appreciate your prayers for their needs, I'm sure. But even more than that, are we praying that they will have boldness and that God will give them the message that they can speak boldly wherever they are. And I know that's a struggle for many of us to speak boldly, right? I mean, it's hard sometimes to speak boldly about truth, but yet we need to be praying for our missionaries that they could do that. So pray for our missionaries for boldness and clarity. They'll appreciate that and it'll make a difference in this world. But the next thing I want to talk about as well, and it kind of goes along with this, is in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 2. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, right at the beginning of right at the beginning of the book, starting in verse 1. And what do we see here? Actually, I'm... Yep. First Timothy, chapter 2, not the... Right, so, chapter 2, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Once again, that's 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4. And what do we see here? Well, Paul is urging, he says, I urge you to make prayers and intercessions and supplications for those around you. And it says for the whole world, for all men, it says. It includes kings, it includes people in authority. But ultimately, as he gives this whole list of people we need to be praying for, and he says, we need to be praying, and I urge you to constantly be praying for these people. But then, as we continue on, we look at verse 4, and once we get to verse 4, we see the common thread as we pray for people. Why is it that we're praying? Well, it says this, that God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So as we're praying for our missionaries, we pray that they will speak the message of the gospel. We pray that they will speak boldly. But then we also pray that when they do that, that people will get saved. You see, we can pray for things that are happening, and whether, whether it's financial situations or their needs that they might have. But you know what? Ultimately, the reason that any missionary is called to the field, if they're truly called of God, is for people to be saved. So we need to be not only praying for their needs, not only praying for their boldness, but praying that they will have fruit of their ministry. Now that doesn't mean that they always will have an abundance of fruit, that will have an abundance of people coming to Christ. 
But even for the one or two that do, we need to be praying that God will bring the right people into their ministry so that the gospel will go forth and people will receive the gospel and become Christians and come to a knowledge of the truth. So as we pray for our missionaries, let's not just pray the list. Let's pray for their boldness, for their clarity, and for people to come to Christ as a result of their ministry. Once again, I think if you went to any one of our missionaries and asked, do you want me to be praying that people will be saved through your ministry? I can guarantee you they would say, absolutely, please pray for that. So we need to be praying for boldness. We need to be praying for salvations of the people they're ministering to. All right, so we're moving on from prayer. And I would encourage you one more time. Look at the prayer board. Fill out a card. Start praying for a missionary or more. And pray in these ways. Pray for their needs, but also pray for their boldness and pray that people will be saved as a result of their ministry. And that will be a way that you can participate in missions work. It's not just saying a prayer and just letting it go and be like, okay, I said my prayer for the day. But to honestly and boldly pray for these things so that you can be a part of what's going on in the missions world. So next, after we pray for missionaries, it's so important we do that, we must also give, right? We have to give to missionaries because that is how they sustain themselves. That's how they can do ministry. Uh, so, as we go to Philippians chapter 4, this is what we're going to look at. Philippians chapter 4. And an uh, interesting thing here as we look at Philippians chapter 4, we just actually read this passage in uh, ABF out back here. Uh, so uh, some of you will already be a little familiar with this passage. But in uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. And Paul is talking to the Philippian church. And he has some good things to say about them. In verse 14 of chapter 4, it says this. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment, and I am more, more than well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. As we look at Philippians chapter 4, specifically verses 14 through 18, what do we see Paul commending the Philippian church for? Well, he commends them for their gift. And he says, thank you for giving to me. Thank you for providing for my needs. And this is right after he gets done talking about how God has caused him in his life to be content in all things. And he says, I don't need your gift, but I appreciate it. Uh, What does this mean for us? Well, let's put it this way. If God wants to do a work in another country or God wants to do a work through a missionary that we support, God's going to do that work because God is not going to be thwarted by anything. However, if we are giving towards that, like the Philippian church was giving to Paul, what does Paul say? He says, I don't need it for my own sake, but as he talks about it, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Interesting concept here. When we give to missionaries... You know, sometimes I think, oh, it's our duty. They need us to give it. They need us to give it. So, uh, well, because I'm obligated to, I'll give it. But actually, when we give, God's going to do the work whether we give or not. The point is, God wants us to give so that we can participate in the work. 
That's what this is saying. It's saying we can participate in the fruit. So Paul is saying, look, I am so thankful that you gave me some the, what I needed because now you are participating with me in the work that I'm doing and fruit is being accounted to your account because you are helping, you are being involved, you are helping in the sense that you are giving. See, God will do what he's going to do in all these different places, but he asks and he tells you, please give towards that because when you give, you can be a part of the missions process. You see, it's more than just paying uh, paychecks, okay? We can look at that so often, but it's more than that. It's giving to ministry. It's giving to a person that is hopefully seeing people come to Christ, that is giving the gospel, and we are participating in that when we give our money, when we sacrifice our money, our time, whatever else we can give. So yes, it's important to give, but let's remember that it's not just giving because we need to give them a paycheck It's giving because we want to participate with them in the ministry. So I would encourage you today, once again, as we're coming into this missions time, uh, there's ways that you can make faith promise slips out on what you feel that God wants you to give. And remember, this isn't about you have to give a certain percentage. This is about what you feel God is wanting you to give so that you can participate in the furtherance of the gospel. And I want to add to it, by going to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And this is a passage that many of you will be very familiar with. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In chapter 9, 2 Corinthians, we look at verses 6 and 7. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that by having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And then it continues on. But what does this passage add to what we just looked at in Philippians? Well, it's pretty simple. In Philippians, Paul is saying, thank you for the gift and you are participating with me in the ministry because of your gift. But now we also see, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, that he's not saying that we should give out of compulsion or because we feel like we have to or it's drudgery or it's something, oh yes, I'll give because I have to. I have to give or the missions committee is going to be angry with me. No, it's not about that. It's about give cheerfully, willingly, with a good attitude. We just talked about this in ABF. Anything we do without the right heart attitude, we might as well not do it at all. Because God is looking for our heart. He's not looking for our money. He's looking for our hearts. And maybe that means you can only give $5. If that's what God has given you to be able to give, that $5 will change a soul. For $5, God will use that in ministry. So do you have the right attitude in giving? So when we give to our missionaries, let's not do it out of compulsion or because we're forced to think we have to, but let's do it because we want to. But why do we want to? See, it goes back to what we just talked about. Why should we want to give? So that we can be a part of missions. We can be a part of the ministry. Brian shared with us last week all that's going on in his cabin. Well, you know what the thing is, and I'm sure he would agree with this, all the things that happen in his cabin, the people who get saved, the people who grow in their faith out on the river when things go well, when, when, when he has opportunities to build relationships and people hear the gospel... Well, you know what, even, although this Saturday we will be on the river with him, but even all the other Saturdays that he goes on the river, we're there with him in the sense that we've given money and we are participating in his ministry. You see, and that's why it should give us great joy to give. That's why we should be willingly ready to give, because we want to give. And this is not just for adults either. This is for children. 
This is for teenagers. This is for working people. This is for retired people. This is for all of us. God wants us to give according to our resources so that we can be a part of the ministry and so that we can do it joyfully. What does that mean for you? Well, that's between you and God, and I would encourage you to think that through. And in our, in our, in our, in our church, you have a great opportunity to do that through the Faith Promise program, through going through the missions committee, and it's a great opportunity. I would encourage you to use it because we need to be giving and being a participant in missions all around the world. Alright, so we got through, okay, we pray for missionaries, and that is important. We need to pray for their boldness and, and pray for salvations. We, that's vitally important. Without prayer, nothing matters. So, that's vital. We need to give to missionaries. That's vital as well. God's gonna do some great things and He wants us to be a part of it. But then the third thing that we see as we look at Scripture, if we wanna participate in missions work, it's not only that we pray for missionaries or that we give to missionaries, but it's also that we live as missionaries that we live as missionaries, that we live a life that is revealing the gospel to others. And this kind of is a stepping off point from the last time I actually spoke. We talked about the gospel and we talked about how what that means for us and how we can live in the gospel, but then not only live in the gospel, but also share the gospel. That's kind of where we left off. And this is a great opportunity now we come back around to it because we are called to live as missionaries. But I want us to remember something important as we look at these next two verses. That when we live as missionaries, I am not telling you today that you need to do the work of a missionary or that you have to do certain things to be a missionary. Actually, what I'm going to say this morning is you already are a missionary. You already are a missionary. Now you just need to live like it. So it's about your identity. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And that's what we're going to look at right now. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is where we're going to start. Acts 1, 8. And this is a very, very common verse. But yet so much power. And yet so many times we can just glaze right over it. Acts 1, 8. Acts 1, 8. And it says this. Many of you know this by, by heart. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus, these are his last words to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. And he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to give you power. He's going to give you power to do one specific thing. Now, he gives us power to do a lot of things. But what Jesus is talking about here, one specific thing that that the Holy Spirit will give us the power to do is to be witnesses. Now notice what this doesn't say, and I think that's even, in some cases, uh, sometimes we forget to look at that. Uh, it, it doesn't say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will go out and, and witness, or that you will start to share your faith, or that you will go out and evangelize people. No, what it says is, you will be my witnesses. Very important concept here, that the Holy Spirit comes in our life after salvation and we become witnesses. We are witnesses. We already are. That's who we are. It's not about what we have to do. It's about who we are. But the, but the thing is, just like talking, going back to the sports analogy, okay? Uh, you know, if you're on the team, you're on the team. Okay? You're part of the team. You're a team member. That's who you are. Now, you can choose to not practice and not do anything and sit on the bench and you're going to miss out on all the greatness that can come from playing a sport we shouldn't be sitting the bench we need to be out there and we need to be living as missionaries we need to even we are witnesses and we need to understand that but that doesn't give us like okay well then whatever i do it doesn't really matter because i'm already a witness 
No, see, that's the thing. The way Christ works, and he does this through so many ways. He's made us righteous so that our identity is we're righteous. He, he's, he's come to dwell within us, and therefore our, our identity is in Christ. It's not what we do, it's who we are. And, and he says the same thing about witnesses. We are witnesses. When we come to Christ, when we come to him, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we are witnesses. Now, my question is, is are you being a good witness or a bad witness? Because it's important that we understand that concept. Each and every one of us that has Jesus Christ as our Savior, right now, where you're sitting, you are a witness. You are a missionary. You are, a, you are bearing witness to what God has done to your life, in your life. Are you living in a way that reflects that? Or are you living in a way that obstructs that? You see, when we don't live what God has made us, when we live a different life, we're not living his will, right? And we are his witnesses. So are you witnessing because you are a witness? So this gets us away from feeling forced to have to uh, come up with a formula that we have to, every chance we get, lay out the gospel, here's a tract, get saved. No, that's not what I'm talking about. It's every part of our lives because we are witnesses. We are missionaries. Let's live it out. Let's be the missionaries that God has already called us to be. And that does include speaking, which we'll get to in just a second. I want to also look at Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28, this is a very famous passage as well. Uh, same context here. Jesus is about to ascend back to heaven and he's saying his final words to his disciples. Uh, Matthew 28. And uh, what we're going to see here is a very similar concept. Matthew 28. I'm going to start in verse 18. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, as we look at this passage, and some of you know this, and I know John, I think, has even said this before from the pulpit, but I want to make sure this is clear. When this verse says, Go... Therefore, and make disciples. If you look at this in the original Greek, the way this is constructed, it actually could be translated a little better. Because actually, as you look at it, the imperative verb here that is in this verse is not go. The imperative verb is actually to make disciples or to to disciple. Go is a participle. As you look at that and you think about that, if you know anything about English language, basically what I'm saying is, it's what this is saying is, not go and make disciples, it's as you are going. Make disciples. That's very important we understand. That when this passage says go, it's saying as you are going. See, it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to be going, right? I mean, we're going to be, we, we move around. Life takes us in different places. Now, maybe for some that takes us across the world. Some of us that means it takes us down the street. But the idea here is we are going. We are always going. And as we are on our way, as we are going, what do we need to be doing? We need to be making disciples. Well, how does this apply to our identity? Once again, This isn't about a command that we have to go. It's saying you already are going. Now, when you're going, be that witness that you are. As you go, be the witness that you are. And that's the idea here. When we are the witness that we, that God has made us to be, disciples will be made. So as we're going in our everyday lives, are we disciple makers? Are we missionaries? Are we living the life of the missionary? God has said you are witnesses. Now, are we living it out and are we doing it as we go? Well, there's two different aspects that I want to look at this morning that when we talk about living as missionaries, one aspect is we need to act out the gospel 
And the second one is that we need to speak the gospel. So we have some more verses that we're going to look at. And the concept that we just explored about our identity in Christ is going to come out even stronger here as we look at another passage in Matthew. So if you go to Matthew chapter 5, beginning of the book we were just in, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. I've loved these verses for a long time. Actually, uh, these would be, uh, if I had to choose life verses, these would probably be the verses that I would choose uh, as it had a fundamental, just a, a vital a vital effect on me as a teenager that helped me to understand uh, more about what it meant to be a Christian. Um, But in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, uh, this is what we see happen. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, so we need to act out the gospel. We need to act as missionaries. That's the first thing we've got to look at. We've got to live and act as missionaries. Well, what does this verse have to say about that? Well, very interesting. Once again, this identity thing comes into play. What... Matthew says here in Matthew chapter 5 is that you are the light of the world. Once again, let's remember that this is not an imperative. This is not Jesus saying, be the light of the world. He's saying you are the light of the world. We already are the light. We are here to bring light to the darkness in this world around us. But then it talks about this idea of a bushel. So the idea is we are already the light. Let's make sure that we are doing nothing to obstruct that light to put a bushel over our light that God has already made us to be. And then it goes on and says, let that light shine. So the light that you already are, let it shine. Don't do anything to, to disrupt it. You know the little kid song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know? It's a, you know what, that's a great song, but we've got to remember that the light isn't our finger, the light is us. <laughs> because Jesus is the light, and he has allowed us to be the light as well. And so as we live as the light that we live that life, that our good works, what does it say we'll do? It will cause people to glorify our Father who is in heaven. You see, when we act as Christians, when we act as missionaries, people will see God through us. Because we are the light that he has made us to be as a result of the light of God, of Jesus Christ living and coming through us in our lives. So we need to embrace that identity that we are the light. We are spreading light to the darkness And when we do that, that we are participating in missions because we are acting as a missionary. We are acting out the gospel. Uh, The next verse is going to kind of transition us from this acting out the gospel to speaking the gospel. So if you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. In 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to be looking at verses, verse, verse 15. Verse 15 in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, once again, a very common verse that many of you may have heard before. But as we think about how we can participate in missions, this verse says a lot. It says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And it says, Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now, this is in the context of if you're, going to be, uh, if you're going to be persecuted for the sake of the gospel, that you should be ready to speak a defense when you're given the opportunity, when somebody asks, why are you different? Why do you have hope in this world? And we need to be ready to speak that. 
But before we speak it, what does the first couple words of this verse say? Well, it says that we need to let our, in our hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. This is honoring God in our lives. Because the heart is everything, everything in our life flows from our heart, right? And if we keep Christ holy, if we keep him holy, then that's going to flesh out in the way we speak, in the way we talk, in the, I mean, in the way we live, in the way that we conduct ourselves. You see, so we need to set Christ apart in our hearts as holy, and that, that will transform us from the inside out. But then it says, not only do that and remember what Christ has done and live that out and have that flow from your heart, but then it says uh, that you will need to be prepared to a uh, defense for anyone who asks you for the reason that hope is in you. Do it with gentleness and respect. This involves words. You can't defend yourself in this sense or defend the gospel just by sitting there. You need to use words. So the question then becomes is, as we act out the gospel and we live out the holiness of Christ from our heart, we need to also speak the gospel to anyone who asks. So when you have an opportunity, this is what I'm going to say, any opportunity you have, be willing to speak the gospel. That is a way that you can live as a missionary. So don't only act as a missionary, but speak as a missionary. So this is important that we understand this. And even more obvious, I would even say, is going back to Romans. And this is where we actually ended the last time I preached. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. You'll probably remember these verses that we read. And yet it's so vitally important we understand this concept in Romans chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 13. And it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We know that to be true. But then it says in verse 14, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. There's no question here what we're called to do. If people are to be saved, people need to preach. And this is not just for the missionary. This is not just to say, okay, yeah, the missionary and the pastor, they will do all the preaching of the gospel. This is for all Christians everywhere. Because remember, if we go back way to where we started this third point, we are witnesses. We are the light. We are, as we go, we are to be making disciples. So as we go, we use, we are the witnesses that God has called us to be. We are the light that God has called us to be. And in that, we have opportunities to speak the truth, to speak the gospel, to preach the gospel so that people will be saved. So we, we need to pray for our missionaries. We need to give to our missionaries. But in all of that, let's not forget to live as missionaries. This is where I'm going to take a little bit of a rabbit trail, I guess you could call it that, although it has something to do with what we've been talking about. But I want to make sure that we are not in the mentality, like we went back to at the, at the beginning of our introduction, that somehow we are here, missionaries are there, we give money and we pray and they do the real work. That Okay, because a lot of times what that ends up being, it's a cop-out on our part. Because we can say, you know what, as long as I can write a check and I can spend five minutes of prayer a day, then my achievement in missions work is complete. Now, God will use your prayers. God will use your money. But even more than that, he wants to use you. It's important to pray. It's important to give. But it's important to live as well, to live as missionaries, to live it out, to act it out. So when people look at you, they know there's something different. And to speak it, to speak truth, to speak the gospel. When you have an opportunity, anytime you have an opportunity, are you willing to speak the gospel that God has given 
to us. So I want to say as we're thinking about this missions concept, we've looked at it two weeks this time, I want us to consider how it is that we can truly participate in missions. That we're not just sitting by and being a coach, but we're being a player coach. We're getting into the game. We're, we're doing what we're called to do. We're, we're being who we're called to be. We are called to be missions missionaries. We are called to give. We are called to pray. We are called to be. And as we do those things, we look in the mission, it, it, during this time and we will see that God has so much blessing in store for us. I'm not talking about physical riches, although God could do that if he wishes. But what it is, is God is looking to pour his grace upon you. He's looking to pour fruit into your life. And what he asks in return is that you will participate in the missions program. Then in his missions program, we're not talking about a specific program of a church. But we're talking about God's program of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter where you're sitting today. Whether you're in the back, the front, the side, doesn't matter. God wants to use you as a missionary. He wants to use you in the missions world. He wants you to use you in the world to be a missionary right where you're at. And you can do that through prayer. You can do that through giving. And even more than that, those things are important, but you need to also be living it out. And that's what God wants us to all know. I think all of us can falter in this. And so many times we can get so caught up with, with looking at missions work is happening over there and I'm over here. When the truth of the matter is we're all working together for God to make his name known among the nations. And that is our goal as we come together. And, and it's going it's to take all of us together to really participate. And I'll tell you what, and we've talked about this before in Sunday school and some other places. You know, God wants to bless us. If we don't give, we don't pray, we don't live as missionaries, we're going to miss out on the blessing. So it's really not about check off the checklist because you've got to do these things to be a good Christian. You've got to pray for missionaries. If you do that, yeah, you got your check. Oh, you gave to missions this week. That's great. You got your check. God is not interested in a check mark. God is interested in our hearts. God is interested in who we are. And that's what I want to encourage all of us to walk away from this place understanding. The, uh, the worship team is going to come back up and they're going to play one more song. And as they do, I just want you to consider how it is that you can participate in missions. God is mighty to save. God will save. God is looking for people to save. Will you be a part of it or will you just sit by on the bench? That's the question I want you to consider as we sing.